0: If you have a Bible, turn with me uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 9, and then we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 10. We've come to this place now uh, where the children of Israel have gone to Samuel. We know this. Samuel is the prophet of God, and they want a heathen, or they don't know it, but they want a king like the heathen nations. And I use the word heathen because that's exactly what's going to happen uh, to King Saul eventually. He starts off very well. And God has chosen him. God has anointed him. And just because we're called uh, to the ministry or just because we're called to saving grace doesn't mean it's going to stay there. I hope and pray it does. We have a responsibility. I believe in eternal security. I believe in the eternal call upon your heart. But we also have a responsibility. Don't tell me you're called uh, to the ministry or don't tell me you're called to salvation, first of all. And then you live like the world. You're still doing drugs. You're still fornicating. You're still committing adultery. And then you tell me you're a Christian. I, I have to question that. I have to question that. The Bible says to walk as Christ walked. The Bible says to walk as much as possible and purity, and holiness, and it's not easy. But through Christ I can do all things. And do I make mistakes? Yes. Do you make mistakes? Yes. But we have an advocate. It's called Jesus. Jesus is our, our go-between. Uh, Jesus is our mediator. Jesus goes before me. The Bible says that we are the accusers. The, the, the devil is the accuser of the brethren, day and night. And so when he accuses me, accuses you, we go to the Lord. And the Lord says to the Father, basically, he's one of mine, she's one of mine, covered by the blood of the Lamb. But if we're going to go astray, how's the blood going to cover us? And so this is Saul here of this evening. Uh, let me give you just a little bit of background. Uh, Saul, the first king of Israel, the son of Kish, and the tribe of Benjamin. Very important there. The Benjamites were considered the fighters. His character is in part illustrated by the fierce, wayward, fitful uh, nature of the tribe. And that's, remember Saul of Tarsus when we get to him in Acts chapter 9. He was a Benjamite. And so these were the warriors. These were the fighters. They were considered the fighters of Israel. In part, it accounted by the struggle Between the old way and the new way in which he found himself involved. This is Saul. To this we must add his character of madness. And I say that with tongue in cheek because you're going to see it later. He literally, I believe, is demon possessed. There are those that don't agree. And again, they'll say, well, wait a minute. He's called of God. He's anointed of God. He's the first king of Israel. But you're going to see something happens to the man. And he snaps. His character of madness, which broke out in violent frenzies. Remember, remember he's going to try to kill uh, King David eventually. David's just a little guy at the time. Leaving him with the long, lucid intervals of these fits. He was remarkable for his strength, his activity. He was a giant in stature. Taller by head and shoulder. We're going to see that this morning. Or this evening. Than the rest of the people. And a kind of beauty denoted uh, of him. Uh, being labeled a handsome man. Which caused him to be. Uh, compared. This is tradition. Uh, they called him the gazelle. He was called in history. The gazelle of Israel. And so Paul. Excuse me. Saul here is characteristic, is great. But you're going to see craziness about him. Is he demon-possessed? I don't know. I tend to lean that way. But when we get to those passages, you make the decision. And so we begin here in 1 Samuel chapter 9. Saul is chosen to be the first king of Israel. And as we get into the kings, you're going to blow your mind. There's only a handful Of good kings. And that just shows the characteristic. Of what God said. They want a king. I'm their king. And these kings were. Many of them miserable. Now obviously there were some good kings. In verse 1 he begins here. There was a man of Benjamin. Whose name was Kish. The son of Abel. The son of Zeror. The son of Bekrath. The son of Iphiah. And a Benjamin, a mighty man of power. And, and so the description of him, Saul was known for his fighting ability. He was known for his fierceness. He was known for his uh, capacity to defend. He was a leader in that area. Verse two says, and he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. Speaking about his dad now. Speaking about Saul. Uh, There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Now, I want you to see a group, a crowd. And basically in these days, you didn't really, honestly, unless there were giants in the land, and there were. I, I venture to say everybody was in the five foot six, five foot eight. Maybe somebody's five foot nine. But I think Saul overtowered them. I want you to look at your shoulder, look at the top of your head. That's a good distance. And he stood out. And so when he was in the crowd, they'd say, whoa, look at this guy. And when he's chosen to be king, it's incredible. And so notice here now, in verse 3, and I want you to see this. God uses methods in my life. God uses methods in your life. To move you, to place you in circumstances, to place you in the right path of somebody. I've been there many times. This is why we share, try to listen and try to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. Now, I don't, you know, generally have an audible voice. Somebody, Bob, turn left, you know. But I sense a lot of things in my heart. And, and you learn to understand that. And you learn to, Lord, is that you? And then you, you make a, a move. You make a step. A simple things sometimes. Watch what happens here. He says here in verse 3, Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish and his son Saul, please take one of the servants, with you, arise and go look for the donkeys. The method that God used. The simplicity. Now, obviously, at this time, your dad's donkeys have wandered away. They're important to the family. They're important for the work. And so you probably uh, have done this in time past. Your dad says, uh, Saul, I want you to go look for the donkeys. Okay, take a servant with you. Okay, dad, but watch what happens here now. And so he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of uh, Shilasha uh, but they did not find them. They passed through the land of Shalem, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of Benjamite, but they did not find them. still speaking about the donkeys. And when they had come to the land of Zubh, uh, Saul had uh, said to his servant, who was with him, come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys. And he becomes worried about us. Now, that gives us indication because we don't know that he was gone for a time. How long, we don't know. Could have been days by now. Could have been a couple of weeks by now. I don't think it was the same day, and I don't think it was a couple of hours. In verse 6, and he said to him, look now, uh, there is a a city, a man of God, And his honorable man, he's an honorable man, and that he says, surely comes to pass whatever he says. So they knew about Samuel. And so let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Then Saul said to his servant, but look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? Uh, You know, for us in the culture, we probably would not think that way. And then he says, for the bread in our vessels is all gone. And so, again, another indication how long they've been gone. And there is no present uh, to bring to the man of God. What do we have? You have to understand the custom. You're going to go see the prophet. They're going to call him a seer. You're going to go see the man of God. Remember that uh, Samuel was considered a circuit prophet. And so he went to the various cities and such uh, in Israel. But in order to go see him, you don't want to go empty handed. And so he says, we have no bread. You know, we're at the end of the journey. What do we have? In verse 8, and the servant answered uh, Saul again and said, look, I have here a handful uh, in my hand, one fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give that to the man of God uh, to tell us our way. Now, please don't understand this as a payment. It's neither a payment nor a bribe. It's a gift. It's a way of showing respect. I shared this story years ago. A lady was coming to our church. And her husband, very much another denomination. And yet their son was very sick. And so she asked her husband, do you mind if Pastor Bob comes and prays for our son? And he had met me before. He liked me. He just wasn't coming to our church. And he said, sure, let him come. And so we went. I I believe it was Jay and I. And we prayed for the boy. We laid hands on the boy. He was very sick, had a high fever. And, you know, God eventually healed the young man. But we were there probably half hour, 45 minutes. I never forgot it. And then they kind of walked us to the door. Thank you, Bob. Uh, the, the wife says, thank you, pastor. And I says, praise God. Uh, you know, call me if you need for me to come back and pray. And he takes his wallet out. And I knew it was coming. And he pulls out a $20 bill. Now I gotta check my heart. Jay, you and I could split this, you know? <laughs> and I says, uh, oh, I, I can't take that. And his wife is dying. Put that away. He, he, doesn't, he, he won't take the money. But he was accustomed in his denomination uh, to pay for the prayer. And you know, we you have, you have to be discreetful. You don't want to embarrass the man, but you want to make it as clear as possible. You know, we, we didn't come for the financial gain. We came to pray. We came to pray. And so the respect that's being shown here, look at verse 9. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, Come, let us go to the seer. That was the name that was given in those days uh, for the prophet. For he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. And so uh, basically, just to understand the prophet here or the seer, he was considered a spiritual man. That he had spiritual insight. And a lot of times people think that way. Listen to me. Well, Pastor Bob, you have a line to God. Uh, Listen, you have a line to God. I'll ask you to pray for me, just like you asked me to pray for you. Oh, but you know, you're the minister. No, listen. We're all equal in the eyes of God. And i tell you what, we have very capable people uh, here in the fellowship that love the Lord. And I believe God's given them a gift, as we shared on Sunday, and that gift is to pray for people. Pray for people. A lot of people have a hard time on Sunday mornings when we have uh, when when people are new. We have Pastor Cliff here. He's blind, but he was ordained as a Calvary Chapel minister back at Calvary Chapel Albuquerque. His ministry there. Every day he had uh, prayer time to go uh, to the hospitals. Even to the prisons and to the jails. And so they utilize him quite a bit. He has a gift for prayer. I, I will ask him to pray for me at any time. And so they looked at the seer, though, as a man that was spiritually in touch. Uh, spiritual insight. That he can know the Lord, you can know the Lord. Look at verse 10. Then Saul said to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went uh, to the city where the man of God was. Now, I have to put this down here. Because they're looking for donkeys. They're not looking for the prophet. They're not looking for the seer. So, is it coincidental? Is it by luck or chance that the donkeys have run away? Is it by luck or chance or coincidence that they come to the city where the seer is at? I believe all of this is orchestrated by God. I believe everything that we do. Listen to me. There's no luck involved. Please. You've been a Christian long enough. Stop saying that. Oh, what a lucky day you had yesterday. Really? I believe it was God ordained. I believe it was God-ordained. How about when you're having a bad day? Oh, that can't be God-ordained. Why not? God's in control. God's in charge. Oh, Pastor Bob, that's not right. Why not? You don't believe me? Go to the book of Job. When you get home and get to chapters 1 and 2, and you tell me what's going on there. There's a very godly man that was put through the ringer. That was put through the trials and tribulation, And what did he say? Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I I don't believe in luck. I believe in divine appointment. In verse 11, as they went up uh, the hill uh, to the city, uh, they met some young woman uh, going out to draw water and said to them, is the seer here? And they answered them, and she said, yes. There he is, just ahead of us. Uh, Hurry now, for today he came uh, to this city because there is a sacrifice uh, of the city uh, today in the high place. Uh, Again, coincidence? Happenstance? Oh, it's our lucky day. Look who's in front of us. No, it's a divine appointment. It's a divine appointment. Verse 13, as soon as uh, you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat, for the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. That's what Samuel was there for. Again, he was a circuit preacher, a circuit prophet, and so he went from city to city, and generally they were expecting him. And so he comes to the particular city, it just so happened uh, that Saul and his servant, looking for the donkeys, hey, I think he's... Here at this city. Turns out to be right. And so again, God ordained. Everything is in place. Notice now. It says afterward, those who are invited will eat. Verse 13. Now therefore go up. For about this time you will find him. So they went up to the city as they were coming into the city. And there was Samuel. This is Samuel the prophet. This is the seer coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. And again, I have to bring it forth, church. A divine appointment? Or did it just happen by some sort of luck? Uh, if that's the case, throw your Bible away and, uh, you know, get a handful of uh, charms or whatever. Go look for four leaf clovers and, You know, find yourself a leprechaun. Whatever whatever you want to use. But I don't believe in luck. And I know everybody, good luck. buena suerte, You know, the whole thing. Everybody, we're accustomed to it. Change it. Instead of, you know, next time you guys that are in school, you're having a test. Everybody, oh, good luck. I hope you get a good score. Hey, God bless you. I hope God blesses your score. What's wrong with you? Just the nature of people, isn't it? Look at verse 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear, listen how God communicated, the day before Saul came saying, I like that. Here's obviously proof text that he is the seer at this time. Proof text that he is the prophet at this time. Prophet of God. God spoke to him the day before. So Samuel's not surprised. Samuel knows exactly what's going to take place. It is Saul that's being led at this time. And that's good. Now, the Lord had told him. Uh, in verse 16, what did he tell him? Tomorrow about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel. Radical statement. That he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. Remember we shared last week? The Philistines were their, their allies. I mean, not their allies, their enemies. They were the bad guys. They had already stolen the Ark of the Covenant. And the Philistines are still there. And so they need to be taken care of. And we're going to read later on, a Goliath. And then David gets involved there. But at this time, and please stay with me, at this time, Saul's a good king. In fact, you're going to see Saul, I, I really I don't want this. I, I'm not worthy. And that's a good sign. When somebody says, you know, I think God's going to use you in the ministry, and you go, man, I've been waiting for this all my life. I would question something like that. Usually the people that God uses are the ones that don't want to be used, or the ones that are very humbled by it. And so he's a good king. In the beginning, then he's going to falter. And you're going to see him. No repentance. Look at verse 17 now. And So when Samuel saw, saw Saul, uh, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. And then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and he said, Please tell me uh, where the seer's house. Saul doesn't know. Saul has no indication yet. He doesn't even know that going after his dad's donkeys have brought him to that place. It's all divine appointment. Samuel answered in, in, uh, Saul and said, I am the seer, I am the prophet. Go up before me uh, to the high places, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go, and I will tell you all that is in your heart. He's speaking about blessing. Now, I would have loved to have seen Saul's face at this time. What? I'm going to eat with you? You're the prophet of God? And then tomorrow, you have things to tell me? Wait a minute. I'm just looking for my dad's donkeys. That's all I care about. I mean, This has got to be very frightful for him. Notice now, in verse 20, But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, uh, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all uh, the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and all your father's house? Listen to what he's saying to him. I am here to tell you of your family and your focus on the hopes of Israel. That's the translation. Again, uh, the blessings are going to come uh, for Saul. He just doesn't know it. Notice verse 21. And Saul answered and said, I am not a Benjamite. Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why then do you speak like this to me? It was very puzzling for him. And I think when God places a call on an individual, that individual should be, should be overtaken. Why me? I believe every man of God that has ever been uh, placed a call upon, that initially comes from their mouth. Why me? Isn't there others? Remember Moses? Why me? Look, I I can't even speak. I stutter. My brother, my brother Aaron, my brother Aaron, we're all good at that. I didn't want this call. It was God that placed the call there. Did I fight it? Sure, I did, like anybody else. It was very humbling. And here, what is Saul going through? He takes it a little bit further now. When he says here in verse 21, I, I'm just a Benjamite. They were the smallest tribes. Yes, they were the warriors. Uh, let me give you a translation of verse 21. Here's the humility of Saul. I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel. My family is the least important of all the families of the tribes. Why are you talking to me like this? And I put this in my notes. I'm just a zero. I'm nothing. I love Saul's heart. But as I shared earlier, it will change. Look at verse 22. Now Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them uh, into the hall and then had them sit on the place of honor. Listen to that. In the place of honor among those who were invited. There were about 30 people there. Not just anybody got to sit at the table with the seer. Not just anybody got to sit with Samuel. And so imagine you sitting there. You've already said, I'm nothing. I'm zero. I'm just a little Benjamite. And yet Saul was a fighter. But he knows his position. Notice what takes place here, and in verse 22. And Samuel took Saul his servant and the 30 people that are there. Verse 23. And Samuel said to the cook, and here's another indication. Watch this. Uh, bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said, uh, set it apart. Why did he do that? Set the meat apart because he knew that. Saul was coming, and he's going to honor him. Watch this. So the cook took up the thigh uh, with its upper part and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, here it is. It was kept back, it was set apart for you, eat. For until this time, it has been kept for you since I, I said I invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. Church, this is a perk. Again, there's 30 people there. They had to have been well-known people in the city. They waited for Samuel when he would come in the circuit. And they would have a a big celebration. Think about it. And generally, the Jews were good at celebrating for a week. And sacrifices and such. And I like that Saul said, or Samuel... Uh, put that portion of meat off to the side. I don't think he explained anything to them. Remember that meat I told you to put off to the side? Bring it out now. It had to have been, you know, it says here the thigh and the upper portion. You know, I don't know. Maybe Saul was used to eating bologna or something. All of a sudden, he's got some good stuff there. Verse 25, And when they had come down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul On the top of the house. He's going to start to give them the reason now. They arose early. And it was about the dawning of the day. That Samuel called to Saul. On the top of the house saying get up. That I may send you on your way. And Saul arose and both of them. Went outside he and Samuel. And the caption of my Bible says. Above verse 27. Saul anointed king. And this thing is escalating. In a sense this thing is getting. Deeper and deeper. But in the real sense, it's getting better and better. And he's going to be honored. He's not accustomed to this. And rightfully so. Go back again. What was he doing? Him and his servant, his dad's servant, they're looking for donkeys. Wait a minute, man. I went for the donkeys. Those dumb donkeys are always getting away. I've done this before. Now I'm sitting here with Samuel and the rest of the team from our city or from this city. This has to baffle the mind. Think about it now. In verse 27, and they were going down to the outskirts of the city. Samuel said to Saul, tell the servants to go ahead of us. And he went on, but you stand here while I, he says, a while that I may announce to you the word of God. I'm going to give you the word of God. I'm going to announce to you. I'm going to proclaim to you. Uh, he's the seer. He's he's the prophet. Saul knows this. What's he anticipating? You know, I'm wondering if Saul ever thought, did I do something wrong? Did I go through somebody's property? Did my dad's donkeys eat somebody's flowers? I mean, there's a lot of thought pattern here. Now we come into 1 Samuel chapter 10. Uh, the prophet Samuel anoints Saul. The anointing is precious. The anointing is powerful. And again, I want you to keep in mind, we're going to read uh, Psalm 133. We always bring that up when we speak about uh, Aaron, you know, being anointed king or anointed high priest. And now here's the king, the first king of Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, look at verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and he poured it on his head and kissed him. And he said, it is not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance. Is it not? Is this registering in Saul's heart and Saul's mind? I mean, he's hearing it. What? Is it not because the Lord has anointed you? Listen to the word. Commander over his inheritance. Who's his inheritance? The nation of Israel. The Bible says they're the apple of God's eye. And again, let us remind ourselves. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. We are not to come against the children of God. I will bless those that bless you, Abraham, and I will curse those that curse you. Go back in history and study the ones that have come against Israel. One of them is England. England has come against Israel in time past and they have paid a deep price. There was a time in history when the United Kingdom boasted, listen to this, that the sun never set on UK, United Kingdom soil. That's radical. That's radical. They had conquered so much. They've lost so much. And it's all because they've turned their back on Israel. Now, I'm going to read to you Psalm 133. And my two favorite, fra- favorite, uh, bibles i'm going to read out of the amplified and then i'm going to read out of uh, the new living translation if you have a study bible when you go to psalm 133 uh, it tells us that this is a song of ascent and it's by king david and so when you came to jerusalem for a particular feast day uh, you would go to the temple and you never go down to Jerusalem, you always go up to Jerusalem. And so as you're going up, you were with a group of people, family, friends, loved ones, and you sometimes came from afar. You would sing these psalms. You would sing them out to the Lord. They're called Psalms of Ascent. Uh, the first one, first, there's only three verses, but I want to read out of uh, the Amplified Bible. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren who dwell together in unity, it is like the precious ointment poured on the head that ran down in the beard, even the beard of Aaron, uh, the first high priest, that came down upon the collar and the skirts of his garment, uh, consecrating the whole body. If you're taking notes, there's a side note here. Exodus chapter 30, verses 25 and 30. Verse 3. Just kind of a picture. The oil's flowing from the top down. And he describes it. Remember, uh, the Holy Spirit is represented when oil is there. It is like the dew of lofty, uh, of the Mount Hermon. And the dew that comes from the hills of Zion. Uh, for there the Lord commanded the blessings. Even life forevermore evermore upon the high and the lowly. The the mountains of Hermon is where the snows would go. And as they would melt and they would come down. Uh, The blessings that the water, the melted snow, was for so many. The New Living Translation, Psalm 133. How wonderful, how pleasant it is when brothers uh, live together in harmony. Uh, For harmony is a precious, as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down His beard unto the border of His robe. Harmony is a, a refreshing as as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls in the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced His blessing, even life everlasting. And again, we shared Sunday. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's the upon experience. It's the P experience. He comes on top of your head. And he comes through you, he saturates you just like Aaron, running through the beard, running through the clothing, all the way down to the floor. Uh, The picture is that we're not just dabbed with the oil, we're saturated. We're not just dabbed with the Holy Spirit, but we're saturated with the Holy Spirit of God. And we're going to see, Saul is anointed, but later he obviously Uh, falters. Look at verse 2 now. You should be 1 Samuel chapter 10. When you have departed from me today, uh, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at uh, Zelzah and they will say to you, uh, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found and now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, what shall I do About my son. Earlier. There was a deep concern. And that included Saul's dad. About the lost donkeys. Revenue for the home. And rightfully so. But now dad is concerned about his son. And again. The precedence. Of your family. The precedence of of life. In comparison to an animal. And I'm not against the animals. I know some of you are. Are animal you know people and such, so that's good, but honestly, you're going to put preference over that animal, and it comes to your son, it comes to your daughter, that's what they're talking about here now, isn't life more precious now they don't know uh Saul's dad doesn't know where he's at, I mean, there was no communication in those days. And possibly when the you know the prophet would go from one place or another, that's how they took messages and such. But uh so it was very shallow when you think about that. Look at verse three now. Uh, then you shall go on forward from there and come to the Teberneth tree of Tabor. He says, There are three men going up to 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 God at Bethel, the house of God is Bethel. Remember that? I will meet you, one carrying three young goats and another carrying uh, three loaves of bread and another carrying a skin of wine. All of these are signs to Saul. It's not, again, it's not by chance. It's not by luck. All this is divine appointment. And so Saul is seeing this firsthand in verse four clarifies it a little more, and they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, uh, which you shall receive from their hand. I was thinking about the passage in Luke chapter 19. Jesus is coming in the triumphal entry. Prior to that, remember he's coming to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah 9, 9. But before he comes into that descent, he tells his disciples, go to the village next door. There you're going to find a colt a tied up, uh, loosen him, and bring him to me. And if they ask you, why are you doing this? Tell them the master needs it. And that's exactly what happened. And so here is Saul now. He is seeing one sign after another. And you know, I was chuckling putting this study together. Especially this afternoon, I'm going over this and, you know, years back, all the signs that Mary and I had received. I mean, sign after sign after sign. And then we would still question, are you sure, God? Are you sure? You know, when we get there, would you create waves in the real grand or something? You know, I mean, God does things to blow our minds. Uh, let me just give you the one I've shared it before. We come to our church. It, it's it's good-sized church, 700 at least at the time. Parking is awful. You cannot find parking. And so there's an open parking spot. And so Mary says, uh, when the next car comes in, ask them or, or see where they're from. See if they're from New Mexico. What's the odds on that? You know what I'm saying? And here comes a car. Two girls. They pull in. We didn't see the plates yet. Where are you from? New Mexico. Oh, man. Okay, God, you're showing me a sign. Then Mary says, what city? Las Cruces, New Mexico. What? How can that be? At that time, Las Cruces is about 42,000. And you go all the way to West Covina and you park next to us? How dare you? It's God saying, Bob, are you getting the picture yet? And so this is Saul here. Uh, look at verse 5. After you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistine uh, garrison is, and it will happen when you have come there uh, to the city, that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, uh, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Okay, that's kind of normal. Because remember, the prophets were there. Samuel was not the only one. Samuel was the prophet. But watch what happens here now. They were prophesying. In verse 6, God was with Saul. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon, uh, will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and be turned into another man. Would you please underline that? Remember, in the Old Testament, uh, the Holy Spirit was selected. So many times people, you know, well, Pastor Bob, there you go again. Preaching on the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm telling you, you're not going to function. You're not going to do the things that God's calling you to do. You need the unction. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, verse 6. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and he turned in and, and be turned into another man. Transformation, uh, change, metamorphosis. Uh, Saul didn't know that. What we taught on Sunday. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, uh, he gives you power, he gives you ability, he gives you enabling. Uh the word dunamis speaks of dynamic power. He gives you For the work at hand. He gifts you for the work at hand. Please mark this scripture down. Ezekiel 36.26 Ezekiel 36.26 I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36 Israel's blessing in the time of renewal. Listen to this. God will take away the stony heart, the callous heart, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put a new spirit within you. That happened in Ezekiel chapter 36. And then Ezekiel chapter 37. He will give Israel new life. The dry bones, remember? They come back to life after 2,000 years. In the great diaspora, Israel becomes a nation unheard of. May 14th, 1948, next week they celebrate 67 years. And God has blessed them. They still need to know the Messiah. But you see some of the neighboring countries, they're poor. They're dilapidated. They're hurting. You know, I got a small glimpse of that. When we were going down a main highway with a bunch of pastors in the, in the bus, and uh, Ronnie Cohen, our guide at the time, he says, fellows, I want you to look out your window here, and I want you to notice uh, the furrows. And so we're going a couple of miles, and he goes, what do you see? And everybody goes, oh, beautiful furrows. Those are Israeli furrows. He was all proud. And he goes, keep your eye. We're going to come onto another set of furrows, and I'm serious. Because we have a lot of agriculture here in the city. And every now and then you'll see a farmer and I'm going, whoa, too much sauce, man. He got on the tractor, right? And so we approach all of these, this next set, and the furrows are all crooked. And somebody says, and he's waiting for it, Ronnie, what, is, what happened? Those are Arab furrows. And we go, "Oh." <laughs> and even that, listen to me. It showed the blessing of God. Showed them, they are great in agriculture. The first thing we did, Ronnie told everybody, buy a bag at this next stop. They sell produce, but they have a little bag of fruit. All of their fruit is, is miniature. Little oranges. Now they've developed a lot more. Little bananas. Uh, because there's not a lot of country. So they have a lot of dwarf trees. But they were the most succulent, the most sweet, the most, I mean, they were so good. And then you come back to Albertson and you go, hmm, that's a whole other story. Look at verse 7 now. Remember verse 6 the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Verse 7 and let it be when these signs come to you that you do. As the occasion demands, as the occasion comes up as being the king, as the occasion comes up doing the work of God, for God is with you. Would you underline that? Throughout the Bible, we read this. And please don't just say, well, God is with, uh, Saul. God is with, uh, Peter and John. God is with Pastor Bob. God is with you. Just as well. I'm going to give you some scripture. In Genesis 21, uh, 21, Abimelech, commander of the army at the time, he said to Abraham, God is with you. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1, God said to Moses, when you go to battle, God is with you. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, God commissioned Joshua after Moses' death. And what did he say? God is with you. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 7 that we just read. Uh, Samuel said to Saul, for the tasks at hand, God is with you. First Chronicles chapter 17, verse 9, excuse me, verse 2. Second Chronicles 17, 2. Nathan, the prophet, said to David, Do all what is in your heart, God is with you. I find that passage intriguing because Nathan the prophet was the one that came to David and busted him for going, uh, having sexual relationships with uh Bathsheba, having a child, the child's born and he dies, and then he had Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, killed. David is busted by the prophet. That's where we read Psalm 51. True repentance. And so here's Nathan the prophet. Later, he says to David, do all what is in your heart as a king, And he says, God is with you. Last one is Zechariah 8.23. God says in those days people will say, and this is what the other nations were going to say in Zechariah. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. I get a little bit frustrated when somebody will come up to me and they'll say, Pastor Bob, you know, forgive me. I, I just don't feel God. I just don't sense God. I'm kind of in a vacuum right now. Uh, Things are not happening. Uh, I'm going through so much. and, And I wait for them to vent. And then I said, nowhere in Scripture does it say we walk by feeling. Nowhere in Scripture does it say all these things are happening because God's not with you. No. This is where our faith comes in. Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And listen, I've been there. I can sense in my heart, and I say, God, you've abandoned me, and that's coming from the enemy. And I have to rebuke it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Because the Bible says what? I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a rip off of the enemy. And he'll just sit there on the shoulder, and he'll whisper in your ear, And naturally, you're thinking, it's got to be true. Nothing's going right. Everything I touch is, Lord, help me. No, I respond, Lord, I know you're there. I am not going to believe this chump. You are there, Lord. And I'm going to trust you. Yeah, I'm going through a valley right now. But Lord, I'm going to trust you. You've never left me. You've never forsaken me. You've never abandoned me. He's going to be with you. Until the day that he says, well done, though, good and faithful servant. Enter the glory of the Lord. But look at Saul. You can't, you can't blame him, but he's totally uh, confused in verse eight. You shall go down before me to Gilgal. This is Samuel's there. And surely I will come uh, down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offering. Seven days you shall wait. That's the hardest thing for Christians. Wait. But I don't like to wait. Even when I go down El Paso, uh make sure, I don't care what hamburger I get. As long as there's no lines. And then you go to the bank, oh gosh, don't go on Fridays. You're going to wait. Isn't that crazy? We just don't like to wait. We don't. And so here he's telling him, <laughs> and and I like what he says here. Uh, to wait. He says, Seven days you shall wait till I come uh, to you, show you what uh, you should do. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. Listen to that. Underline it. And I and he says, and all those signs uh, came, came to pass that day. All those signs that he was showing us. Saul Came from a good family. His dad had a servant. At least we know that one. His dad had donkeys. And so he was not hurting. And yet Saul, he's a Benjamite. He's a fighter. But he's content at being what he is. But notice that God says, he's going to give you another heart. He's going to give you another heart. And I have to say, when I came to Saving Grace years back, and when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God gave me another heart. I know most of you here tonight, and I know God's giving you another heart. First of all, you wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night. Who ever heard of going to church on Wednesday? Come on, stay home. Bowling was Wednesday night for me years ago. And so. God wants to give you another heart. Listen to me now. You can come from the best home. Raised in the right side of the tracks, as they say. You have all the education that you could muster. You have great morals. You have integrity. Your great, great, great grandfather came on the Mayflower. You go, really? Really? Yeah, he came up the real grand, didn't he? I'm just giving you this scenario. But only God can give you a new heart. Only God can give you a new heart. Oh, but look, I got a brand new car in the parking lot. I, I just bought a brand new motorcycle. I, I just bought a beautiful uh, mountain bike. You don't use 10 no more, huh? God wants to give you a new heart. He wants to take away the heart of callous. Listen, he wants to take away the heart of envy, strife, jealousy, lying, cursing. I have Christians all the time because they hear me preach. And they'll say, Pastor Bob, please pray for me. I I can't shut up. I curse. I curse. I said, get a jar. And every time you curse, put a quarter in there. He says, I'll go broke. Stop cursing. Stop cursing. Only God can do that to you. In verse 10, when they came there to the hill, uh, there was a group of prophets to meet him. And then the Spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. What we spoke on Sunday. Obviously, we know salvation has to come. The Holy Spirit comes into my life. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then God gifts me. God gives me gifts. God gives me gifts. He gives you gifts. And you use them for his glory, for his kingdom. And so here's Saul now. And it happened when all who knew him, there was people that knew who Saul was. They knew him formally. They saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets. And that the people uh, said to one another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? This just shows me he was an average Joe, if you may. He was no spiritual man in any way. Is Saul also among the prophets? Watch this now. Then a man from there uh, answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? Is Saul also among the prophets? Uh, listen, you're always going to be rejected in your hometown. You're always going to be rejected by your family. Write this verse down. In Matthew 13, 57, uh Jesus is rejected in Nazareth. Remember, Nazareth was his hometown. Jesus said in verse 57, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own people. New Living Translation. You have an opportunity. Read the book Harvest that Pastor Chuck and Costa Mesa put together years ago. And in there they talk about the early church of Calvary Chapel, that is, started in 1965. And in there it has what we called the pillars in those days. One of them was uh Skip up in Albuquerque, but they were all in Costa Mesa. Pastor Rawl, my pastor, uh Steve Mays had just passed away recently. He was a biker. Mike McIntosh and in, in in where is he in San Diego. See, that's why my wife comes to the service. And Mike had lost his mind. And so you have all these guys that God put the Spirit of God in them. God put the, a new heart in them. A lot of people didn't know this. Skip was having out-of-body experiences. Out-of-body experiences. And yet God used these guys, and he still does. Look at verse 13. And when he had finished prophesying, uh, he went uh, to the high place. Then Saul's uncle, we don't know who it is, said to him and his servant, where do you go? So he said to look for the donkeys when we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. Coincidental? Happenstance? Luck? (laughs) They're looking for donkeys, remember? he's anointed king, given a new heart. That has to blow your mind. In verse 15, and Saul's uncle said, tell me, please, what Samuel said to you. And so Saul said to his uncle, he he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, but about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. Uh, Wise move, wait upon the Lord. And so verse 17, the conclusion, we're going to come now, Saul proclaimed the king. And then Samuel called the people together uh, to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt. Listen to the testimony of God through Samuel. I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, and from the hand of all the kingdoms, and from those who oppressed you. He says, but you have today rejected your God. And that was the whole thing that Samuel was frustrated with. And remember what God said? Samuel, they have not rejected you. They rejected me. Oh gosh, that hurts just to say it. Who himself saved you from all your adversaries uh, and your tribulations, and you have said to him, no, but uh, set us a king over us. Now therefore, present yourself before the Lord by your tribes, by your clans, Did they get it? I don't know. And when Samuel had caused the tribes of of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Uh, This is Saul's tribe. And when he had caused the the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the families of uh, Matre uh, was chosen. Saul, was uh, the son of Kish, was chosen. Uh, But when they sought him, he could not be found. This is Saul. They can't find him. They can't find him. Man of God. Oh, man of valor. That's what they said to Gideon. Remember that? They can't find him. He's scared. And yet God's given him a new heart. God's anointed him. Uh, Everybody at this time at Saul's hometown, they're dumbfounded. What's going on? Uh, Matre is a family member. Or is it Saul's uncle, as we heard of earlier? We don't know. But where's Saul? He's hiding. Honestly, he's freaking out. I don't want none of this. Therefore, verse 22, they inquired of the Lord further, has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there he is, hiding among the equipment. God has to tell them, there he is. He's over there behind the trash bin. He's over there, you know, where all the dishes are at, whatever it might be. He's over there by the equipment. The equipment of what? the equipment of the animals, he was hiding. When you study the life of Abraham, study the life of Moses, you study the life of Gideon, you study the life here of Saul, you study the life of David, and you see these guys. It's, it's, it's not an easy call. It's humbling. And it should be. Because God wants to use you. and You don't go around boasting about it. In verse 23 now. And so they ran. And they brought him from there. And when he stood among the people. Uh, Listen to the description. He was taller than any of the people. From his shoulders upward. He could really be seen now. I think before they they didn't pay attention. But now uh, he's in the limelight if you may. And Samuel said to the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among the people? So the people shouted and said, Long live the king. Long live the king. Now, I have to stop there and give a little bit of commentary. Did they see the anointing of God? Did they sense the new heart in him? Or did they see him head and shoulders Above all. And remember he was handsome. Hey, look at our king. He's Mr. GQ. Isn't this cool? No. You better look at his heart. You better look at his heart. And I'm telling you, I know people go to church sometimes because of the pastor. Because of the looks. Because of the stature. Mary and I saw it back at West Covina. We were sitting in the pews. We were worshiping God. And, and never fail, we'd hear one of the young girls. Do you see what he's wearing today? He's talking about pastoral. Do you see what he, he's wearing clothes? What's your problem? But you know, you know, you know how the girls are. And girls, you know how the guys. I tell Mary, they're not looking at me. I don't care. Look at verse 25 now. Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty. Listen, of royalty. That's what he labeled Saul. And he wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. Samuel shared with the people what King Saul would be about. And he gave the rules and the regulations to the people. Listen to this. He writes them in a book. And then he presents it to the Lord. Those of you that love to do Bible studies on your own, I would challenge you to do a Bible study on the books. I'm not talking about the 66 books. I'm talking about books that, uh, you know, there's a book that has recorded the tears that we shed when we pray, when we cry. God has a, a book of war. There's various books. And it's interesting. Uh, Here's a book. Was it of all the kings? Was it of Saul? I I like that. And so then we come to the conclusion. In verse 26, 27, And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him. Those, listen to the kind of men that were following him now, whose hearts God had touched. Whose hearts God had touched. We have those same type of men and women in our church. Because I cannot do it all. That's for sure. All true churches that truly follow Christ have these. These are men and women, listen to me, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Anointed of God. Write this down. Some homework. I love this passage. Exodus chapter 31. The tabernacle is going to be constructed. God gives orders. He gives schematic, He gives blueprints. This is the way I want you to do it. But I like my old Schofield. In Exodus 31, the Bible calls this chapter Spirit-Filled Craftsman. Spirit-Filled Craftsman. There's been people in our church through the years, that have, you know, worked on this church. This was an old bowling alley, not a bowling alley. This was an old uh, pool hall. Over here on this side of the hall were all the pinball games. Some of you don't even know what it is. And uh, back here was a restaurant. And we ended up getting both of them. And guys came in and constructed the walls, guys came in and constructed the back, and I mean, it's been ever since, spirit-filled craftsmen. Now, you give me a hammer, and you give me a nail, and give me a board, I'll eventually run it through, but don't ask me to start measuring, because the window will be, you want a window, go see JR, he'll give you a window. Look at verse 27. But some rebels said, listen to this, you're going to have those that are anointed of God, then you're going to have the rebels anointed by who? Satan. But some rebels said, how can this man save us? And so they despised him. And they brought him no presents, uh, but he held his peace. There will always be those that despise you. Despise your family. I despise your call. I despise your anointing. But no matter what, it's God that you adhere to. You're always going to have those that come against you. It could be family. It could be friends. It could be church people. It could be your bosses. It could be your co-workers. It could even be a pastor friend. Remember, you serve God, not man. You serve God, not man. Man will always fail you. God will always be with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. We're going to get more into the life of Saul. Let's stand and we'll end with a word of prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity as we study the Old Testament, Lord. And Lord, as you speak to us, as you minister to us. Lord, I I love that you got a hold of Saul's heart. You gave him a new heart. And Lord, yet we see him later falter. Lord, let us leave here and not leave here without examining our own hearts. If we're not right with God, we need to get right with God. And Lord, if we're those that are still praying, Lord, change my heart. Transform my heart. Give me a heart after your heart, Lord. Lord, fill me with the spirit again. And again and again, Lord, give me gifts to use for your glory, for your kingdom, and for your church, Lord. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.